Welcome to the Cooking for Chemo podcast. I'm Chef Ryan Callahan, your host. And I'm the producer, Jesse Callahan. And the purpose of this podcast is to tackle the eating-related side effects of chemotherapy and discuss the practical real-world solutions to make your food taste great again. And in this episode today, we are going to discuss meal planning and how to make a weekly menu. But before we get started, Chef Ryan, <laughs> why do we need to know this? Why do we need to know about meal planning? This is another one of those weeks of subjects that you don't, you're not particularly fond of. Well, if I'm not fond of it, that means other people aren't fond of it. And so you need to convince them why they should keep listening and not turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're still listening after this explanation, gee, bless your heart, right? Um, so meal planning is a really practical skill to have, just like knowing how to cook or owning a pickup truck or knowing how to do lots of stuff. Uh, it helps you save time, money, energy, and helps to take the stress out of an already stressful situation. Because if you're sitting there and you're going through cancer treatments and then you get home and it's dinner time and you have nothing cooked or prepared to, to reheat or whatever, then you gotta cook and that's stressful as well on top of it. Whereas if you think about this in advance, what I'm gonna eat on what day and how I'm going to do it and how I'm going to make these meals and making sure that they all have all the vitamins and nutrients and everything that I need in them already, I don't even need to think about it and it makes it less stressful and less chaotic. So kind of like when we get home and we have failed to plan and we're hangry, yes. now that's not a good time to be no. planning out what you want for dinner. You wanna plan ahead so that way you're not hangry and yelling at each other while cooking Yes, dinner. and let me tell you guys, uh, we are 100% guilty of that. We do this all the time. Like I teach people how to do this on a regular basis and I still forget to sit down and meal prep or prepare things. And so a lot of times whenever I start, we've a lot of times for a long time, what we've done is done things like cook off chicken breasts or like we roast, you know, big pork loins or smoked pork loins or have food ready to cook or that's already cooked. All you gotta do is throw it together into a final dish and that really helps. So this is a skill that we need to learn to stop us from being lazy and yes. to help us to be a little bit more proactive. Exactly. It makes it, and it, like I said, it really does take time, stress, and headache out of food. Because if you know what you're going to eat, and you know what you're going to eat when, you have the solution and the and, and the choice of what you're going to eat from a limited list, all of a sudden, it's a heck of a lot easier. Look, how long does it take for you to go to the Cheesecake Factory and make a decision on food? Forever, because their menu's enormous. It's 30 pages of 30 <laughs> different types of regional cuisines, right? So I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, am I in a pub mood? Am I in a Chinese mood? What kind of mood am I? I don't know, there's too many options. But if you go to a place that has 10 items, right? You know exactly in that list of 10 items what you're going to eat. Or like Raising Cane's, chicken fingers and french fries. That's, that's what you're getting. That's what you get. You have that choice. Would you like four chicken fingers, three chicken fingers, yeah, or six? Yeah, how much exactly. at that point? <laughs> and that's what we're talking about here is, so what we're gonna do in this episode is we're going to talk about, uh, okay, last week we talked a little bit about, you know, what calories are, what macronutrients are, and now we're going to apply it. And then in the second part of this episode, we're going to talk about um, how to design a weekly menu using that information on oh. the light overview to then pick things you're going to eat. And what I like to think about when I'm doing it as well, and some really Inside easy solutions. Into your yes. mind. Ooh, so scary. Be before we get started, <laughs> I do want to put a little disclaimer here that I really do strongly recommend that every cancer patient works with an oncological dietitian. Uh, we talked about why they're important previously. Mm -hmm. And what's really exciting is in an upcoming episode, we're actually going to have an oncological dietitian on our show. Whoop, whoop. Woo! Yay! So I they can one. explain what they do and why it's important. So that's exciting. So look forward to that. 
But what I want you to do is, we talked about what nutrients are, macronutrients, and we talked about calories previously. Well, in this week, we're going to talk about how to use that information. And this is not, this is just how I think about it, and a way to explain it to you so that you can start to understand how meals are constructed and how to start thinking about these foods being applied in different situations. So from like a cooking perspective. From a cooking perspective, right? Okay. So, and again, your dietitian may say, I want you to do this and this instead of what I'm suggesting. So just take that with a grain of salt, and like I'm going to say a bunch of times do what's right for you not what's right for me so uh, making balanced meals is actually really surprising once you begin cooking at home and taking control of your food because you're not in control of it if you go out to McDonald's or Burger King, right? They just have a menu item and they you have no idea what's in it typically, right? But if you are cooking for yourself, you can control the salt, you control the fat, you control the protein, you control all the vitamins and minerals and so on and so forth. So you of course wanna make certain that your meals contain all of the nutrients that we talked about previously in the macronutrients uh, section of the last podcast, right? So they're proteins and fats, carbohydrates and starch, and vitamins and minerals. So let's talk about the quantities that your food should have, right? So I like to use what we call a 25-75 rule, right? So 25% of the meal should be from uh, composed of what we call proteins and fats, right? And the other 75% should be vitamins, minerals, or carbohydrates, starches, vitamins, and minerals. So, so carbohydrates and then the vitamins and minerals category. So think about the protein, 25%. And then the other 75% should be split between carbohydrates, vitamins, and minerals. And so if you follow the 25-75 rule, what you end up getting is more vegetables and carbohydrates, which are, you know, like when you think about breads and pastas and, you know, rice and all these things, those are also full of vitamins and minerals that your body needs on a regular basis, right? Same thing with the vitamins and minerals because that's got the fiber and all the other things that you need. So this technique's really easy to apply and it makes really well-rounded, delicious meals without you really even trying. So what does this look like in the kitchen? Like you so go into the kitchen to make us a meal. What does this look like? So that's where I was going with this. So let's do example number one. So 75, 25 would look like this. So 25% would be four ounces of grilled chicken breast, which would be your protein. Mm. Six ounces of cauliflower broccoli mix, right? Which is your vitamins and minerals. I like that. And six ounces of basmati rice, which is your carbohydrates. Okay. That seems like something I could eat. Yeah. And so then you end up with a four ounce chicken breast six ounces of broccoli and cauliflower and six ounces of basmati rice. It's got a lot of stuff in there and you can picture that in your head of being really flavorful and delicious. Of course, you can season this to your preferences however you want, right? So you can make Which it, we also talked about in a, right. previ a previous episode. You, you could make it, you know, a, a chicken tikka masala with basmati rice and some veggies on the side, right? So you could have that sauce or you can make it a barbecue chicken or a stir fried chicken, whatever you want to do, right? But that's a great simple example of the 75-25 rule. Uh, example two of what 75-25 looks like would be four ounces of grilled chicken breast, which would be your protein, four ounces of sauteed zucchini, which would be your vitamins and minerals, four ounces of black beans, which would be your carbohydrates, and then another four ounces of apple slices, which would also be your vitamins and minerals. So in that example, the chicken breast is of course our source of protein. The zucchini and the apples make up two different sources of vitamins and minerals. And we're using black beans as our source of carbohydrates. And of course, black beans are normally considered a protein, but in this example, they're functioning more like a carbohydrate than they are specifically like a protein. So I'm, I'm seeing that some foods kind of can fall into multiple categories depending on what it is. Absolutely. And that's where your dietitian comes that's in. That's where your dietitian comes in. Cause you know, food isn't as simple as you get one nutrient from one thing. 
thing. Like I get B12 from this and that's all I get, or I get protein from this and that's all I get. That's why the proteins and fat category is together because protein is always paired with fat naturally in nature. So that's just how it exists, no matter what kind of protein you eat. Okay, so, this seems pretty simple. It is really simple. So. This is where it comes back to do what works for you and work with your dietitian. The uh, 75-25 meal planning rule is of course a sliding scale. And what that means is that you do not have to exactly, to have the exact proportional amounts of carbohydrates to vitamins and minerals. So from what you're suggesting. Correct. Okay. So you can, you can adjust these proportions based on what you're making or what works best for your body. Uh, and of course you wanna increase the pro, if you need to increase your protein, you can always increase your protein. It's really, really easy. If you need more, eat more, right? <laughs> but you always want to make sure that you get all three of these in every dish. And if you look at naturally, or not naturally, but if you look at cooking, how it naturally happens all around the world is you're already incorporating these starches, these vitamins, these minerals, and these proteins already in a dish. Think about Chinese food, right? You get Chinese food, it's veggies, it's meat, and it's carbohydrates all mixed together all at the same time. Yeah, it so, seems like a, almost every cuisine has a balance of all three of these categories in one way or another. Yeah, and the only example I can really think of straight off the bat that gets like, that takes it out of balance is like going to like a steakhouse and getting a huge 16 ounce cut of meat or going to like- Well, they're just like, kicking up their protein side. That's, that's <laughs> right. what I'm thinking here. Or going to <laughs> like, for example, a barbecue place and just eating a whole rack of ribs with nothing else. But that would be just straight protein, right? So it's all about getting all three of those things in there and balancing them all. And so now we're going to talk about how to design a weekly menu. Well, and then I, I think it to wrap up one more time because we can't stress the enough importance on it that that sliding scale work with your dietitian. Yeah, because they're going to know what you they're need. They're going to know exactly what your body needs. But the idea here is that then you understand kind of what, what each ingredient is playing into inside of a meal to begin with, right? Yeah. And then you can talk to your dietitian and your dietitian can help explain what you need and why you need it. Exactly. And then That's you will understand because you'll have a basic understanding. Okay, I have a light overview because you're not walking into this meeting. Blind. Blind <laughs> and going, wait a minute, what the heck's a carbohydrate? What's a protein? You know, these are things that you need to know about, right? And this little bit of light information will help you guys there. So let's apply this, right? How okay. do we design a weekly menu? So, so what do, yeah, what do we do with this info? So I have a seven step process that I use every single week. Um, so here's what you do, or at least this is what I do. This is really exactly how I do and it. And then you could cater it to your own yeah. lifestyle. Of course, that's right? what I hope everybody does because this is not a one size fits all solution, right? Sometimes I gotta say that because you know, people just take <laughs> I'm it sorry. as gospel. This is gospel, You there are no changing <laughs> and anyone who thinks differently, no, it's unacceptable, right? No, I'm just kidding. So how to design a weekly menu. So number one, I want you guys to brainstorm 10 dinner meals, right? So for example, are you gonna have chicken fried rice? Are you gonna have chicken and zucchini? What are you gonna have? What 10 entrees, what 10 dinners are you going to have that week? Okay, then the okay. next thing I want you to do is list the ingredients for every meal. Okay, go through and list out every last piece of that of those different meals that way you can do part three which is looking for the common ingredients common ingredients are going to be like if you're making chicken pot pie and pot roast and beef stroganoff right the one common ingredient to all three of those is onions you're going to need onions for all three of those dishes so now we know that we can buy one set of vegetables for all three items there okay 
because common ingredients help to save money and they help you to avoid food waste because you're using all of it. Which we're going to talk about next week's podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so look for those common ingredients. And then number four, unless you explicitly are craving this one weird item, one weird dish, right, that doesn't have anything in common with anything else, remove the meals without common ingredients. Why? Because if you have to buy 10 ingredients for just one dish, not only are you going to end up with, first off, guys, grocery stores don't sell food in quantities for one. Okay, this is where I get a lot of questions of how do I cook for one person? Well, I'm going to tell you it's basically virtually impossible because you can't even buy for one person. Typically, grocery stores sell portions in four, sixes, eights, and twelves. All right, so any multiplication of basically four or more, okay, is the idea here. So what we want to do is we want to remove the meals that don't have common ingredients so that we avoid food waste and we avoid buying too much and getting too expensive. Well, I guess, yeah, because if you buy a bunch of unique ingredients for one item and it doesn't match with anything else, you're going to waste it. Right. And then you're also spending, which we're going to talk about next week, right. more money than is necessary on something that you could have just done without. Exactly. So like, for example, let's take uh, pulled pork, right? We've been eating a lot of pulled pork lately. And then we get those really nice sesame buns. But then yeah. we don't make any burgers or any sloppy joes or anything else that can use a hamburger bun, right? We just only use it for the pulled pork. And I don't know about you guys, but I get burned out. Like, if I eat the same thing three days in a row, I just want to light my hair on fire, right? Because you get bored. So, okay, let's talk about that. So you get like a big pack of, of buns to go with this big... And you got them on line, sale. And I got them on sale, yeah. So I guess it would be if I want to use all these all these buns, but I get burned out on the pulled pork quickly, you know, I could think about other, other things. Other things, just like right off the top of my head, like hamburgers, sloppy joes, veggie burgers, uh, grilled chicken sandwiches, things like that. So you can start brainstorming all that these things. That also seems expensive, though, because now I'm buying a bunch of different meat. <laughs> right. Meat so can anyways, be pricey. And of course, you could freeze what you don't use, right? Yes. Okay, so, so we've covered remove the meals without common ingredients. So number five, list breakfast meals and their ingredients. Okay, so what I want you guys to do is you can eat dinner and lunch out of the same stuff. Okay, lunch and dinner are literally exactly the same. When you're planning out a restaurant menu, the difference between a lunch menu and a dinner menu when you go to a restaurant is that lunch is always a smaller portion than a dinner portion. So when you ask for a lunch size of something, it's just always a smaller amount of food for one person. Except for idea. that one Mexican restaurant we go up go go to up in St. Charles. <laughs> their lunch they're like lunch portion and then I'm like are you sure this is a lunch portion? I feel like it's We get same. so much food at that place. Like so, I'm like, I have to split this up. I'm going to get fat again. So list breakfast meals and their ingredients, right? So that's how, so you're going to get eggs, bacon, sausage, whatever, right? Right, right. Okay, so then part six is purchasing sufficient ingredient quantities. Well, that's, that's important, okay? But we want to list out the sufficient ingredient quantities is the idea here. So we want to make a grocery list with this. Okay, and we want to make sure that we've written every meal down and we're double checking the quantities that we need for every recipe so that then we can put them on a list. So then we can do number seven, which is buy all the ingredients that are on the list at the grocery store, which is I think the only place you can really buy groceries is the grocery store. Walmart. Which is technically a grocery store. It's a <laughs> now it's a grocery store, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can't buy it at the auto parts store, can you? If there's vegetables. Okay. <laughs> Just being a smart So one. all seven things again. Brainstorm 10 dinner ideas. Two, list the ingredients for each meal. Three, look for common ingredients. Four, remove the meals without common ingredients. Five, list breakfast meals in their ingredients. Six, make a grocery list to be able to purchase sufficient ingredient quantities. And number seven, of course, go to the grocery store and buy all the ingredients that are on the grocery list. 
That's it. That's a lot of information. Yeah, it's easy though. Well, on to our audience email. Chef Ryan, how can I cook healthy meals for my husband who is going through chemo treatments? It seems like all he wants to eat these days is junk food like chips and Cheetos. Please help. H in Indiana. Okay, so this is really not uncommon, right? People wanting something that, this is going to sound silly, something that they like, right? People eat what they like. They avoid things they don't like. It takes right. a hard sell to get you to eat something you don't like. And when you don't feel well, especially going through chemo treatments, most people don't feel like a million bucks. No one's sitting there going through chemo treatments feeling like, wow, this is the greatest I've ever felt in my entire life. You know, I used to be an Olympic athlete, but chemo is when I was the healthiest, right? No, you feel the worst at this point in time. It's like having the worst cold or the worst flu all the time. So you want your comfort foods. So you want your comfort foods. And what's going to happen is by nature, you're going to move from things that cause pain and move towards things that cause pleasure. So if this, in this example, your husband's eating chips and Cheetos, salty things, savory snacks, we need to use this information to plan meals with all the different nutrients we've talked about, right? That accommodates towards his flavor preferences, okay? So right now he's liking salty and savory. Cheetos are salty and savory. So let's make some salty, savory dishes like pot roast or a cheesy chicken bake, a cheesy chicken rice bake. Or just even homemade french fries. What about even that? Even homemade french fries. You could put bacon and sour yeah. cream and all kinds of stuff and put more things in there, okay? We can make homemade things that satisfy these cravings that have more nutrients than just the junk food mm, does. The loaded baked potato sounds so good right now. Oh, doesn't it? <laughs> hey, hey, here's an idea, guys. Loaded tater tots baked in the oh, oven. Oh, we made those. Oh, those are so, so good. Exactly. You want to so, tell them how we make them? Oh, time? yeah. So we take, yeah. Uh, we take tater <laughs> tots and we lightly spray them with like some cooking spray. We put them in the oven at like 425 degrees and let them cook for 45 minutes. You got to turn them over so they don't stick and we lightly season them. And they crisp on all sides. With a little bit of salt and pepper or a little bit of Lowry seasoning salt. Um, and or Cajun seasonings even better. Oh yeah, actually. the Cajun seasoning. If you get spicy oh. Cajun seasoning, that's just the best, right? And then what we do is we crisp up some bacon, chop up some green onion, a little bit of sour cream, some cheddar, sharp, sharp, sharp cheddar cheese. Yes. Uh, I guess Velveeta cheese would work as well if you wanted to, or like some Rotel tomatoes. But basically, what you can do is you can then treat them like anything. You can put chili on them. You can put anything. They're really good with salsa. They're also really good with like corn salsa on them and stuff like that. You can treat them like nachos. Anyways, that's. That's my recipe for the day. Well, now I know what I'm eating for lunch. Well, and then there's like, a, there's a St. Louis specific dish that we call slingers. Yeah. And you could throw some chili and eggs on top of it and turn it into a slinger. Yeah. So slingers, just so everyone knows, is it's it's grilled hash browns. It's fried hash browns, like like flat grill grilled hash browns. You season those and then you add two fried egg or two over easy eggs on top. And then you put chili on top of that and cheese. And then you serve it on the side with toast and some kind of breakfast meat. And it is delicious. But these could be meals all on their own. Yes, they could. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm hungry. And with that, I think that is the end of the Cooking for Chemo podcast, right? Well, that's all for this episode of the Cooking for Chemo podcast. Before we end the show, we want to say thank you very, very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. To everyone that helps to make Cooking for Chemo's online resources free. If you'd like to help support Cooking for Chemo, simply visit our website and click on the support CFC button located at the top of every page on cookingforchemo.org. You can also support us by purchasing a copy of our Gourmand award-winning cookbook, Cooking for Chemo and After. I'm Jesse Callahan. And I'm Chef Ryan Callahan. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.